What is good, everyone, and welcome back to the Nostalgia Plus Ultra podcast. My name is Nostalgia. Joining me is As Told by Zoe. What's good, my guy? What's good, dude? Not much, man. Big chillin'. I'm excited for today's episode. Today is the first ever themed episode uh, for Nostalgia Plus Ultra. I'm super excited about it. Today, we're going to be getting into Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, it is something that... Uh, Zoe decided to pick up and he wanted to kind of binge through so I tried to do it with him and now we're here so uh what's funny is I was gonna take I had the idea of taking every 10th episode and making it like a theme it's like episode 10 is a theme episode 20 is a theme but it's not obviously this being episode 8 doesn't really fit the theme but oh um, shit but it doesn't matter. We can do every eighth or whatever. We, or we could just do it on ep- uh, episode. We could do another themed episode, episode 10. It really doesn't matter. But sure. um, uh, but yeah, so like we all, like, I don't know how long it took you to kind of go through all the mov- all the stuff. But I definitely, um, it took me three, three to four days to go through the show and the movies. Um, because I, what's funny is I, I was rewatching it again at one point. And I stopped on episode 15. And so when I picked it up, I had no idea what the fuck was happening. So I had to go back and rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go back and rewatch it from that start to sense. finish. And the, uh, in, in a word, uh, for the original and the movies, in a word, um, emotional damage. That's just the, the key Bro. thing for me. <laughs> Bro. Messed me Emotional up. damage. It was bad. It was so bad. I, oh my I, God. Especially... Just going through that is bad. I didn't even have like a reason uh, why like picking them up because the thing is I didn't know before watching uh, the show I didn't know the rebuild movies even happened. Yeah. So so I was like I need to watch it for the culture. I've heard so much about it. I just need to watch the show. Yeah. Um. It took me about about three four days as well, but I I think I, I started one day before you because I told you after I uh blasted through ten episodes in one day because uh I don't know if anyone listens to this they're a fan of Ludwig uh I started playing Super Auto Pets it's the most addicting game ever oh my god so I have Auto Pets right here and. Evangelion right there. I was just for like <laughs> until like 5 a.m. one night. Jesus Christ, dude. You're an animal. Absolutely animal. It was fun. <laughs> All right. So getting into just the themes episode and what we're kind of do. So considering the fact that Evangelion is 26 episodes and a movie and then subsequently four movies on top of that as sequel type movies. I'm putting that in air quotes for those in audio sequence type movies, there's a lot to cover. So for us to kind of do it with no plan, we'd be bouncing around back and forth and it would kind of get kind of jumbled up. So yeah. what we're going to do is kind of split things up into certain categories and kind of go through there and talk about them. So first, before we do go into any kind of speculation, any kind of um, stuff like that, we'll just start with the storylines. All right. So yeah. um, how did you, as far as the overall, just overarching story of, of Ava, like what did you think about it? I I enjoyed everything and I I mean from the first episode to the last movie. 
I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was really, uh, uh, the way it ends is, is fulfilling, but I do think, I do think if someone never found out about the rebuild movies and only saw the original, uh, show plus e- end of Evangelion, mm-hmm. which, which when I say original story, I, I, I lumped them together. End of Evangelion is basically the last two episodes. Um, I think if someone only saw the original story, I think if you didn't want to watch the rebuild movies, I think you could end it there. Genuinely. I think the original holds up by itself. Um, now if you were like a really big fan, like if the show hooked you, like it hooked me, it is cool to see the rebuild movies and realize the the different uh headspace that Hideki Anno the director was in while when making yeah. both both stories it's it's cool to see the growth in uh not only Hideki Anno but Shinji the main character um right i think he he is more he's more of a self insert than than people might think not and mm-hmm. not self not self insert in like an annoying way like like ugh you can totally tell this is dir- the director no but like I said you can tell the director was in a really dark place when making the original show and then he he got out of that funk and I feel like since I think Evangelion the show was like his first big break I think you said that earlier before we started recording. And I just feel like he looked back on it and what he wasn't not proud of it, but was like, damn, like I was in a really, really dark place. I want to revisit this in, in, in the mindset that I have now. And I think he did a really good job uh, with uh, on uh, in both, even though the original can get kind of confusing if you're not paying attention. Yeah, but that's just like. You could say the same thing about like a Christopher Nolan movie, <laughs> right? Right. right. Like exactly. if you um, if if yeah. you're watching Tenet while working, you're not gonna understand shit. Oh it's yeah, the, not it's even the close. same thing. It's the same thing. Not even close. Yeah. Um, so I guess for for I did some research before kind of we started recording and mm-hmm. just to kind of put things in perspective with Hideki Anno, he was doing something with Gainax before Ava, which was I can't remember I think the first name is the name of it's like Nadia something right it's like Nadia the secret of blue water I got it okay yeah secret of blue water so what he when he was doing that like it went through like production hell like he was going through a lot of stuff so what he decided to do in that time was he took a few steps back and in order to prep the last four episodes of that show and left it all to somebody else to do the middle portions the middle portion of the episodes were really bad and the la- and although the last four episodes are really good, like it just caused a lot of problems for Gynax. And then on top of that, they gave, they took out a bunch of money to go make a movie for Nadia, only for it to not get out of pre-production. So in that sense, all that like the failures and like not really living up to expectations kind of caused a big chunk of like of a depressive episode for for Ano, which kind of led to him having this catharsis of putting out uh, Evangelion. And I think what's crazy is, I know we're going to talk about the characters in a second, but uh, a lot of it, 
a lot of the characters and a lot of the the storylines, especially the mental aspect of it, when it goes when it when it dives deep into the mental state of all his characters, all almost all of them have to either or have something to do with him and his yeah. and his feelings and what happened with that Nadia window the or whatever that show was, right? Yeah. A lot of all the characters have are, are pieces of him and his psyche when going through that process. So I think in that way, in that regard, it's really cool. And then plus, a lot uh, Shinji is kind of the insert like otaku character, like so the surrogate yeah. otaku character that literally everybody can imprint themselves on. And I think it's really good. But I'm getting off topic as far as the characters. We'll get to that in a second. So, um, story wise, I'll kind of take it. I'll split it into two with Evangelion, the original, with and, which and which, which includes the end of Evangelion, and then the rebuild movie. So starting with the first one. Um, it's just funny because I remember seeing, I, when I was looking up stuff for Evangelion, it was always like, you don't get Evangelion. And it's, it's, and it's funny because it's not because it's like a, you just, it's just too mega brain for you. It, that's, not, that's not the case when people say that. It's more so just because you're not necessarily supposed to get it. You're just supposed to take what you think you take your interpretation of it and just kind of put it into your own perspective. Like it's not really anything for you to understand. There's so many things that aren't uh, expounded on, capitalized on, paid off. There's like a lot of that stuff just doesn't happen. Like when I'm watching the show and it's like the world building is so vast and very intriguing. And there's a lot of lore deep embedded into the show that just doesn't get paid off or explained at all. Like, how the spear of I know they talk about it in the movies, but how the spear of Longinus can't comes about, how the how the first impact got started, like in a deep in a deeper detail, how the first impact got started, what the deep sea scrolls really say, and how yeah. those came about. They don't really explain. They just talk about the deep sea scrolls. They don't even say what how those came about. You know what I'm saying? You don't even see like you only see one character uh, from Zele like. There's so yeah, much, you only see him. There's so much hidden, and I do think it's on purpose because, like, at a at a point. By the way, this is gonna be full of spoilers for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen oh, yeah. it. If, if, if this is this is a whole episode on Neon Genesis, Evangelion, yeah. so you you've been warned just off of the uh, premise alone. Like at a point in the show, fucking, uh, when Kaji takes Misato to the to the terminal dogma and yeah. he's like and he's like oh look it's adam it's not like everyone it's thinks not. it's everyone thinks it's adam until koaru gets down there and it's like oh wait this is lilith so like yeah so like hideki it's not that hideki ano didn't explain everything because he forgot it's because like it's almost like we know as much as the characters and the characters know nothing Right, like, and they don't they don't talk about who Sele is and what their actual motives are. They're just they're just kind of the driving force behind, uh, I guess, like a separate antagonist to Gendo too. If yeah. you really think about it that way. Um, so with that, the story is it kind of builds up on itself in that way. And then um, going on the movies real quick, uh, I will. This was def- the movies were definitely more cool mecha anime. And less psychological thriller, yeah. and I think that's not a bad thing. I think mm-hmm. what the charm of Ava in the beginning was definitely 
the mental psyche of all the characters involved because none of them uh, have redeeming qualities, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, and just the mental aspect of everything going on and how heavy that is to everybody involved. When you get to Ava, you only really see, when you get to the movies, the rebuild series, you only really see the mental toll and the mental, I guess, uh, I guess strain that people have when you get into three point three three and three point oh plus one point oh. Like those last two movies start to kind of get back into that form where it's like, hey, like this is a very trying time for a lot of people because you got to think between. Between two point two two and three point three three, there's there's fourteen years had passed between those those two movies. Yeah. So a lot of shit happened. So for so three point three three, and then the last one kind of has all that emotion, that mental strain on it as well. But uh, man, oh man, is the original a mind <laughs> a mind fuck of a show? I that I, honestly like generally generally concerned me after watching it. I, it 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 concerned me too, and like, dude, the 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 mental aspect of the original story is what hooked me in so so much. The only reason I, I rated both the show and End of Evangelion a nine, and the only reason they're an, it, they'd be a ten if they were together. Okay. Because because I do love every single second of the original show except the final scene. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm I'm not watching this in 1995 having to wait 2 years for End of Evangelion. Right. I I I watched End of Evangelion. I mean, I watched Neon Genesis and then clicked end of evangelion it's right there <laughs> it's it's not it's not that big of a deal but yeah if they were connected if they were together like i do understand how that can be kind of annoying if they were connected i think they'd for me the original show is a 10 out of 10 i don't know i mean i kind of had the same feeling when i saw sunny boy and we've talked about this on the show yeah the the original ending is is like you said, there's a lot of emotional damage, and I think when 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 an artist, an author, a director, a, a, a musician, it's 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 weird to say. I like when when artists go through depressive episodes. I think that's when they make their best shit. My favorite Mac Miller album ha- might be Faces. I fucking love faces and that's his he was coked out on faces that's his darkest uh, uh mixtape album whatever you want to call it it's it's but it's raw it's real it's personal and i do get that feeling from the original show i i really it makes you feel empty i think you said it when when we talked about it it's empty but not in a bad way it's it's yeah it's like you just okay, finished listening to someone talk yeah here's here's my thing i actually like the last scene because of certain things but i'll kind of get into what uh that's called it's called the gynax ending and i know I, I texted that to you when you first started watching it sure the gynax ending for those that don't know is when is is primarily used by studio gynax and low-key studio trigger too where the ending episode, whether that be the last few episodes or just the last scene, 
are either like mindfuck type, um, mindfuck type uh, uh, endings, or um, or see or like cliffhangers to sequels that that will never happen. Right. So with with Ava, the last scene in there is um, is them just all showing up around Shinji, clapping and doing whatever and, and, and saying congratulations. Right. That's a Gainax ending because it doesn't really give you any real closure or even the last two episodes are really the Gainax ending because it's just kind of a mindfuck type thing. I would say another example of the Gainax ending would probably be Darling and the Franks, which is hilarious because Darling and Franks is literally literally like another version of Ava, if you really want to think about it like that. Yeah, I, where I, I've seen, I, what, do, before I saw the show, I got them both confused. Yeah, so what, for Darling and the Franks, I think it's, I can't remember exactly the episode, but it's not the midway point. It's like a couple episodes past the midway point where shit just goes off the rails. And like plot points start happening. Nothing gets paid off. The it's Plot holes are huge. It doesn't make sense, right? And just kind of culminates in this big like space fight where nothing gets nothing really gets resolved and it's just like I don't know it's really weird but that's another example of a Gainax ending even though it is Studio Trigger that made Darling in the Franks it still holds up in that kind of ending so my thing is when it comes to Neon Genesis Evangelion's uh, Gainax ending I actually think it makes sense in terms of how the story went well because you also got to think too um they didn't have like their budget money was running out. They were rushed to. Fi- they had a rush to finish it. So instead of them making this huge, uh, crazy bombastic Ava fight at the end where Shinji just kind of realizes himself and and all this kind of stuff, to culminate in this big ending, which they did with the end of Evangelion with this big with these big fights and stuff and these huge effects. With the issue with budgeting and time constraints, they were like, okay, we're just gonna turn this these last two episodes into a therapy session and kind of let uh, and I know decides to let all his feelings out. You explore all the characters as well as talk directly to the, to the viewer too. Cause you got to think again, it's more of a Shinji is like kind of that insert otaku type person. And the message of it is, Hey, uh, you know, don't stop hating yourself. You know saying? People, once you kind of, go outside and interact with people, you can see that people actually generally like you, right? And, you know, go, go, and basically just saying, you know, kind of get over yourself, go outside and interact with people because you're, because you're going to have a better time doing that. Because a lot of it, it's funny, a lot of the themes in Ava have to do with escapism and that's for different reasons. So it's escapism through cheap thrills when it comes to certain people. You get yeah. escapement, uh, escapism through Shinji in that fucking, uh, the headphones, the tape recorder. Yeah. Uh, escapism in your job and your work and thinking that your life has value on that. Like once you kind of get over that stuff and kind of move past that, you need to go interact with people because that's what's going to help you out in the long run. So I think that when... Shinji realizes that it finally just realizes that I mean in this in the in the context of the of the uh, of the show because obviously you know he doesn't actually learn anything yeah considering end of Evangelion doesn't really learn anything but if you were to just to not have end of Ava and had that ending it would make it would 
the whole story be complete because that's really what this that's really what Anna was trying to say the entire time. It wasn't it wasn't anything about the big fighting yeah. uh, robots. It was more about just that kind of mental aspect. So I think that was so I generally like how they gynaxed ending <laughs> the show, but I know I guess if it was back in nineteen ninety five people would be pissed off about it. And here's the thing, I do I do like the last two episodes because that's where most of the subtext gets like put in the front. Like if you if you didn't notice something throughout the whole show, you're definitely gonna notice it during the therapy session, the during episodes twenty five and twenty six. Uh, so I do like that. And I, as overall, if end of Evangelion didn't happen, I do like the ending. It's the, the, it's the fact of how the last scene plays out. It's yeah. cool. <laughs> it's cool. Cause Shinji's like, no, I want to live. I don't want to die anymore. There's, there's worth in my life and, and this and that. But then like shit breaks and then they're in the final world of kingdom hearts and then everyone's just clapping and then it literally <laughs> it literally cuts through every single character in the show even if they were minor just saying congratulations <laughs> yeah exactly that's because he finally figured it out but regardless I, of what regardless of who shows up in there context or narrative wise it still makes sense because those are all the people that have interacted with him at some point in time in the show it 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 makes sense after i read uh episodes 25 and 26 are a dramatization of what happens in his head during end of evangelion which just it makes I, i i texted you this before the original story is a tragedy like it's not supposed to be happy because yeah it's almost like Anno gave everyone a fake out like look the show ends happy yay but then end of Evangelion happens and when he know he finally realizes like no this isn't what I want I, I want to live I want to meet new people I, I, I have worth in my life he figures it out too late he figures it out too late, and when Ray uh, takes him out of instrumentality, also take takes Asuka out of instrumentality. It it's too late. She fucked up the world. She can't do anything about it. She can't magically bring the world back to what it was. Everyone's dead, except for you, because one. Shinji made a a connection with Ray. Two, Ray is technically his mom. Three, Ray is technically Koaru as well, and he made a connection with Koaru. So obviously, yeah. like those three characters mixed into one character, love Shinji in whatever, like a friend way, in in a homosexual way, in a motherly love way. They just care for Shinji, so they're they want to grant him his wish. Right, uh, right. But so that also kind of means like his wish is being with Asuka a little bit. There's like this whole weird love hate relationship going on between them. But also, yeah. I th- also I think Asuka, Asuka's whole thing is like 
yeah, she doesn't want to be alone, but she's too immature to realize that. So she rejects yeah. she rejects instrumentality. That's why I think she got picked as well. But going back to the whole Shinji thing, yeah, he realized like shit, like my life has meaning, it's worth living, but it's way too fucking late. That's why that's why I like the show so fucking much. It's a rug pull. You're not supposed to feel good. It's like yeah. a it's a gut punch. And what yeah, I think what I find so interesting the poster for End of Evangelion, the famous famous uh Shinji and Asuka on the shore of a Red Sea with a giant head cut in half. That's the end. They literally spoil the movie for you, but it still hits. Yeah. What fucking movie poster has ever done that? None. And I think, I feel like more, like, okay, movie posters, like a random tangent. Movie posters in, I guess, these last few years have been absolutely fucking terrible. Yeah. Every poster for Spider-Man has been garbage. The Batman ones have been garbage. Everything has been trash. But that's just a whole random tangent. Um. Yeah, so I guess we can move on to, to I guess, our thoughts on the characters. Um, yeah. So besides, I guess, Shinji and Asuka, wh- what other, like, character do you, are you, were you really, like, kind of attached to? Or did you, like, really like their, exploring their psyche? I really, I, I enjoyed uh, Misato's whole, like, if you want to boil it down to something simple, it's like daddy issues, but and survivor's guilt, and definitely survival's guilt. But I think what most people would just pin the daddy issues because it's the most uncomfortable part of her. It's yeah. like it starts off like like when when Shinji brings out the postcard when he's like about to meet her. And this is a whole thing throughout the show. Like, you would think, like, some parts of the show are weirdly horny, but that's just anime. Yeah. No. Uh, Ano, like, made it... There's there's a reason for all the weird horniness in the show. So, like, when Shinji brings out the postcard, it's like a picture of her and she's bent over. And she, had, like, writes a little arrow pointing to her boobs. And it says, check these out. So, you're like, okay, that's regular anime shit. But, like, whatever. I'm just gonna look past it. Yeah. And then, uh, it it she has her own thing with Kaji, where she's like, "No, we can't, we can't do this." But then he keeps roping her back in because, yeah, he's a womanizer. But you start to learn, like, he genuinely cares about her. He he does genuinely care about her, but on her side, it's like. When she tells the story of her father, she thinks her father just kept running away, running away, and just didn't really care about her that much. So you can tell that, like, not not that you can tell. There's the the episode where Kaji's carrying her home because she's drunk. Yeah. She 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 explains it. She's like, I I see my father in you, and that's why I can't leave. Like, and I'm scared of that. And uh, so obviously that's like out in the open daddy issues, but then it gets worse because since 
she doesn't <laughs> since she doesn't know fatherly love she doesn't know she doesn't understand what love can be besides sex yeah so when she's trying she's trying to be like a surrogate mom to shinji and shinji's dealing with his own shit and it's not working like she she's trying to help him out and she's trying to like tell him like it starts off again in the beginning of the show it starts off very wholesome she's like listen uh, you did good today uh people are going to be proud of what you are doing by piloting the ava this and that blah blah and it just doesn't work shinji keeps on running away and and she has to keep chasing him and shinji does shinji keeps feeling worthless but you can tell like she does care for him because during episode i think 21 is when he gets uh his his soul is sucked into the ava yeah yeah and then his his plug suit drops out of the ava and she's like hugging it and she's like bring me back shinji bring me back shinji she does genuinely care for him but it gets to the point where she doesn't know what else to do and right the episode where ray sacrifices herself to sh- to save shinji mm-hmm. uh he's obviously in a depressed episode because one of his only friends just died died yeah uh, uh so she sits on the bed and she's like i'm sorry you're going through this i don't know what to tell you right now i don't know how to comfort you i only know how to do this and then she like grabs his hand yeah and then you're kind of thinking like what the fuck and then he pulls away he's like don't don't yeah like like, do not and then she just leaves she and she apologizes she goes i'm sorry and she leaves and then yeah. it it comes to a head when when she she dies in Evangel in end of Evangelion, she's taking him to to the to the Ava, and he's being he's kind of throwing a tantrum. He's not talking. He's acting like a little kid. She has to pull him around, and because she's lugging him around, uh, she got shot in the back. And as she's, like, bleeding out, she's trying to convince Shinji, like, listen, again, for the last time, you you can't care what other people think. And, and, and you thinking people hate you, that's, like, on you, that's, like, no one really does, this and that. And she's trying to get it across him, like, look, like, listen, there are people that care about you, but she only knows one way how to do it. And it's very uncomfortable, but I think it's uncomfortable on purpose. She ends up kissing him. And she's... Don't know how old she is. She's an adult. Shinji's 14. It's a very... Uh, very problematic, if we're just going to keep it a buck. It's problematic, 100%. And I feel so weird saying this because I feel like... I feel like I'm one of those guys who defended, like, uh, EDP 445 yeah. four, four, for, like... A, he just wanted a cupcake, dude. No, it's I'm not defending like, oh, it doesn't matter. He's she's an adult, he's a kid. No, it's I'm saying it's she ends up kissing him and it's on on purpose. You're supposed to not like in a regular show or movie, that at that point, 
is is a point where you're supposed to feel hope for the protagonist. You're like, oh yeah. shit, maybe the protagonist can do this. But you're witnessing an adult kiss a 14-year-old. And then she tells him, that's how grown-ups kiss. We'll do the rest when you get back. And you're sitting there like... Yeah, no, I hated that. I hated that. You're like, what the fuck is... What just happened? I really hate... Like, I... Like, okay. Full disclosure. Like, Misato... Like, in terms of, I guess... I'm not a big, like, anime waifu person. Mm -hmm. But... Masato is like somebody for me where I'm like, oh, okay, that's like an anime waifu for me. That destroyed everything no, I yeah. built up for Masato. That destroyed literally everything. I yeah. could not. I had to. I had to pause it because I was like, what? Because obviously I knew going in. Obviously she decides to replace a lot of cheap things, a lot of the feelings of loneliness with sex. I understand that part. Like even like even when Shinji has that. That weird, th- that weird voyeurism shit where he's like watching Kaji and Misato essentially have sex for a week straight. Like that's basically what, yeah. what they're implying. So uh, that's like a whole thing. I just, I knew that's the kind of person she was. I just wasn't expecting her to do that towards Shinji. And I, knowing that he's a fucking child, I was, I was like, I, I that shit gutted me for real. I was like, oh, and I was like, why? <laughs> like that shit destroyed but, everything for me. But you know, I think my interpretation on that, it yeah, 100% before anything, it is pedophilic in nature. Of course it is. But I think she said that, like as a character, I think she said that because she knew she was dying. So she she wanted to give... She wanted to give Shinji... F- like the feeling of being wanted of being loved because she explains it during instrumentality uh asuka's like what the what's the point of this i uh, this is only an excuse to get away um and she goes well it makes me feel wanted it makes me feel loved and i like feeling wanted and loved so exactly. i think so she was trying to give shinji that the only way she know she knew how which is problematic it's weird but that 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 goes to show you how fucked up the show is, how fucked up literally everyone's psyche is. Right, right. I love the fact that, especially in the in the in the movies, it's different. But in the original, not a single character has redeeming qualities. The only people I could say have redeeming qualities, in a sense, would probably be Kaji, and I'll get to him in a second. Yeah, but it'd be Kaji and also and Ray. Ray is Ray. You could say has redeemable qualities because it's a different version of her every time she dies. So, literally every time she gets killed or something happens to her, it's a blank slate. So it's a new Ray every single time. With Kaji, you kind of see the layers with him, and obviously, yes, he's a womanizer, and that's not something you like want to have on to you as far as your personality goes. But it's not like he's just. It's not like he's cheating on people left and right and do all of this stuff to spite Masato. Like, no, he's, he, that's just his, like, flirtatious, flirtatious nature. Yeah. Especially when he comes to Ritsuko in the beginning when he first gets introduced. Right? It's not like he's generally trying to fuck Ritsuko. He's just being a flirt. Yeah, he's more of, like, a clown. Exactly. But you can see underneath all the layers and the facade he puts on, he genuinely, one, cares for Masato and, and thinks he has a chance with her and wants her, wants her to survive and live on, 
when he ultimately, you know, does his job, ends up sacrificing himself, all that kind of stuff. And then also you see he gets more enjoyment out of small things like tending to his that watermelon patch that he shows Shinji towards the end and tells Shinji when he ultimately decides to not pilot Ava's anymore, he's like, if, if you don't do anything else, just protect my watermelon patch. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that where he enjoys small things like that and you can tell he is the only positive male role model or male figure in Shinji's life moving forward. And I do think, okay, this is why I generally also liked Kaji because, uh, and this is my issue with Asuka. Kaji was not going for none of that shit when it came to Asuka trying to get up on him. I genuinely applauded that. I was like, bro, I was like, thank you, Lord. Had he even tried to do something and mention it at all, I would have been so pissed off. Because like, Asuka's dead ass trying to like do some shit with Kaji. He's like, I'm not going for it. I was just, I think okay. that's super dope. Here is, and this is the part of the podcast where it's going to blow some people's minds. I think, um, this is, this is the theory that I told you. I can't tell you yet. I want to tell you on the podcast and it's going to make you like Kaji even more. Um, so we talked about it before recording, uh, the final line of end of Evangelion is uh disgusting by asuka but in japanese it translates more into i feel sick or i feel disgusted or something like that yeah uh and and you said oh asuka might be pregnant or that's like like a a small a small theory that i saw that i didn't really believe but yeah um it could make sense because you know okay like the the translation of neon genesis evangelion is like new start yeah uh so that's a new start everyone's dead and shinji and asuka have to populate the world so it would make sense if she's pregnant uh this theory that i found online fucking like it it kind of hurts to 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 think about and it's one of the theories yeah. that after after the show ended i kept thinking about it so uh episode 15 is the episode where kaji carries misato home yeah if you remember that is the same episode where asuka asked shinji hey i'm bored do you want to kiss yeah and before finishing the show you think, oh, it's a, it's cute. You know, they're fourteen year olds. They're going through puberty. It's a little funny. She like holds his nose so he can't breathe. It's funny. Yeah. Um. As- but I, one of Asuka's biggest things in the show is that she. She doesn't want to rely on anyone. She and, wants to be so much more of an adult. And in turn, she wants to be an adult. That's why the whole show, like when you first meet her, Misato's like, oh, you've grown. And she's like, other parts of me have bloomed as well. Yeah. Um, and and everything about her is like, I'm an adult. Look at me. I'm not a kid anymore. Even It's the most immature way of going about it, too, because she's like, look, I'm an adult. Give me attention. Like, she's still yeah. a kid. And it, it 
the the biggest scene of that was when she gets on top of Kaji and Kaji is like dog you're a kid like what the fuck are you talking about and she yeah. like and she like breaks her buttons and she's like look at me I'm an adult look at me and he's not looking at her yeah so she she ends up having this kind of like inferiority complex towards Shinji but also kind of like liking him because he's kind of a pussy <laughs> yeah he's definitely it, like a pushover for real it's 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 someone that she can like kind of boss around so she ends yeah. up like weirdly liking him because of that but also like feels inferior to him because he's technically like the chosen one well, not really it's just because unit one has the soul of his mother but whatever that's another thing yeah. um and and then she gets really fucking pissed off because obviously she has a big crush on kaji but when misato comes home she's like that that's weird she's drunk and she's with kaji and then she like gives kaji a hug and she's like, oh, Kaji, can you spend the night? Can you spend the night? And he's like, no, I'm going home. And he, like, plays it off, too. He's like, oh, they're going to laugh at me if I wear this to work tomorrow. Like, whatever. He's being Kaji. He's being funny. But she's, yeah. but Asuka smells Misato's perfume on him. Yeah. And, and then gets in her head, like, fuck. They kissed or they did something. There's something between them. Yeah. Uh, that happens. She gets mad. Uh, Shinji says, what's wrong, Asuka? And she goes, I kissed you tonight. And then she goes to bed. Yeah. The rest of the show plays out. You don't think about it. During instrumentality, this is, it connects. I'm, I swear, I'm, I'm getting to something. Okay. Uh, during instrumentality, and for those who don't know, or those who watched the show and didn't understand it, instrumentality is when the entire... A giant metaphor for sex. Just putting that out there. It, it, 100%. It's like an or kind of like an orgy, but when... It's supposed to be when all of humanity gets turned into this one giant individual, kind of like their own angel but no one really dies they just go to like a personal like heaven technically yeah um during instrumentality though that that's when everyone gets to know each other and that's when shinji saw uh misato and kaji do their little weak sex binge during yeah. college it happened on Earth. He, she's just remembering it, and so is he, and he's seeing it. Yeah. Which in turn hurts him because of the whole, she's like, oh, we'll do this when we get back. He obviously learns, like, okay, she didn't do that because she loves me. She did that for herself. But anyway. Yeah. Right after that, there's a really, again, uncomfortable two-second scene. But it's not there to just be trippy and it's not there to just be uncomfortable. It's a theory on like it might have happened. It's the scene where Asuka 
you can tell she's naked. You can see her shoulders. Yeah. And she's really mad, and she yells at uh, Shinji, the sight of you makes me sick. But then it cuts to Shinji. He's laying down. You can tell he's also naked. And the way the camera is, like, angled. Positioned, yeah. You can see that she's on top of him, and her hair is down. Yeah. So the theory is... She got so pissed that night that to make her feel like an adult, she forced Shinji into having sex. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Yeah. So that oh, ep- no. That episode, she she the theory is she forced Shinji into having sex. Oh, my and, God. For And it's, it's fucked up because she only did it to feel like an adult, like she doesn't need anyone. And he yeah. ex- and he accepted because he wanted to feel loved, kind of like yeah. And and he has okay. He has like a weird thing with his sexuality in terms of. I mean, obviously you have three women in your like in your general vicinity that you interact with on a daily basis. I guess the and you're fourteen. General the general yeah. The, and you're fourteen, so like kind of like a, a awakening period for you puberty wise. And you gotta think also again. This is more of the surrogate otaku protagonist type Mm. situation so a lot of the time their interactions with with women all albeit you know in it it may not be anything serious but due to their lack of interaction with women sometimes they may think of it more in a sexual way than others yeah yeah so him so if if that theory kind of if it was to hold up and it was to be accurate that makes a whole lot of sense because Shinji's not going to turn that down because one he wants people to love him and wants him to be and wants to be accepted by people two he has a hard time of doing things of his own volition because he feels like it, as long as he does whatever everybody else tells him to do he doesn't have to deal with anything and three he's very much attracted to Asuka and potentially yeah. would want to have sex with her in some capacity so that makes a lot of sense <laughs> as a theory. But that also that also clears Kaji's name because you were like, oh, why would she be pregnant at the end? It's not Kaji. It probably wouldn't be. It probably would be, it, it be might Shinji. Be, it might be Shinji. But also, what what kind of adds volition to that theory is um, when when she gets mentally fucked in episode twenty three. I think it is. Yeah. When like the light of God shines on her and she's getting like, yeah, like dug through, yeah. Um, it's bringing out it's bringing out her. The angels technically bring out her inferiority complex towards Shinji and even Ray, um, right? To the point where, like Ray, they they sent out Ray to save her, and then when. They sent out Shinji to save Rei. She's like, they didn't send Shinji out for me. They must not care about me. Um, it brings out her inferiority complex. It brings out her her fear of being alone. Right. Even, even though that's what she was like, oh, I could do it by myself. She doesn't want to be alone. And there are some there are some voice lines. That are very suspect. The scene where... You could see the doll of her mother's head, like, rolling on the floor. 
Mm-hmm. And you can hear her voice saying, like, in a very hushed, quiet, intimate tone, do you love me? But no, do you really love me? Yeah. And, P- and in this theory, people... And it's kind of true. The way she's saying it is like if it was like intimate in the middle of something, kind of implying, again, that they had sex. And there was, I don't remember if it was during instrumentality or during her mind excursion. Yeah. Um. She looks at Kaji, but again, it's the scene of Kaji leaving the apartment during episode 15. Mm-hmm. And her, her eyes gaze over Shinji. And she yells, why are you here? You're not better than me. You're not You're not something than me. You won't even hold me. So why are you here? Yeah. And then, again, the whole thing. Like, look, I'm an adult. Please look at me. Please look at me. And it's almost like she's talking to Shinji. Which, again, yeah, it's like in any other anime, this whole theory is like, fan service but in this one it like makes it more fucked up yeah definitely a lot darker in terms of asuka's character development too and then you have also that part too with her kind of in the same breath as misato too when it comes to substituting i guess care for sex when there's that clip there's a clip i don't know if it's during instrument instrumentality or whatever but where you see the scene of her mom in the in the hospital bed caressing the doll that's supposed to be Asuka because her mom has a mental uh, disorder. So it could be schizophrenia, probably, or just in that in that regard. But there's a part where it's just Asuka as a child, and I don't know if it's like her dad talking to like either the doctor or somebody. But yeah, yeah. The, they make the sexual innuendo and then you hear them having sex. It's it's And so I remember that being another thing too where I'm just like, okay, well we I think well this and Ava is an entire metaphor for sex. Instrumentality, the when all the the Ava's like impale themselves in their core, they all orgasm, just in case you didn't know. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's very they all weird. orgasm. Fucking Ray Ray big big alien Ray has a giant vagina grow on her forehead. And, then and the detail, okay, yeah. the, de- the no, the detail of that actually was a Crazy. so unsettling because because literally it opens up and you, I was like, I was like, oh, it's gonna be a vagina, and it literally has like the clitoris right there, and yeah. I was like, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> I was like, what is going? And you know, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of um, do you remember that intro to horror class we took in college? Oh my god, yeah. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> The, the alien ship is a womb. Yeah, dude, when when, Do- when Professor Davis was talking about how literally the entire, when the movie Alien, the entire movie was a metaphor for sex. And then like when that scene, obviously the iconic scene where the, the alien pokes on a buddy's stomach and he was like, yeah, that's childbirth. And he was talking about how the alien ship all had, all had like alien, like little like sacks with, embryos in them and he's like that's it's like an egg like the the ship resembles a mother's womb and that shit was i I, that's the first thing i thought of too because i guess everything kind of revolved around sex in that regard it was so funny but but yeah so like i rock with i rock with kaji he's probably one of the only positive male figures in the show other than other than shinji's friends like toji and um kind of oh yeah uh, kensuke kensuke toji and kensuke are funny i like them 
I like Toji and Kensuke. Um, and um, Hisaki. She was cool. But uh, I, my favorite character was Ray, And I think it's Ray's obviously a fan favorite character. Yeah. Um, I just... The sto- narratively, it makes sense. I was just mad because every time Ray, every time something happened to Ray, a new Ray would come, and so like then she's even more impressionable. Honestly, the la- the the Ray in the movies, especially when it comes to three point three three and three point plus one point they that Ray was way more lifeless than the original Ray, the first Ray that pops up. But I do like how they did with that Ray, how she was a blank slate and just really wanted to learn. Like she has this kind of childlike curiosity and like the like the the want for human interaction. And I think again, all these characters have something to do with Anno's own mental state too. Yeah. So you have you have Anno who generally like yearns for human interaction. He puts that in, into Ray. He has the uh, the obsessiveness of wanting to be valued through his work when it comes to Asuka. You have the need for to not feel like abandoned by people and want to inter- and want to interact with people through Shinji. And then you have uh, Misato placing trivial things in front of real caringness and stuff like that. And you know it's funny. I love how Shinji and his dad Gendo are basically the same character type. It's just one took a more adult approach to their trauma than the other one did. Like yeah. Gendo, I love what I love about Gendo is Gendo is well also I actually hate about Gendo because and Gendo is the worst father ever. I, I him and Show Tucker are like one A, one B in terms <laughs> of father. Yeah. If we're keeping it if we're keeping it a buck. But um when it comes so like it's funny when you the 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 trope or the the motif of having the the tape recorder, right? Gendo as a child did the same thing Shinji did. Use the tape recorder to kind of escape from the world and not really want to deal with it. More more so valued being alone and wanted his own space and just didn't want to talk to people until his wife Yui came along and kind of opened him up to actually talking about people, talking to people. Her death, and so her death causes the escapism to turn now into more of a coping mechanism as opposed to just the way he lives his life. And I think, and so then he sees in the end, you know, he sees Shinji and he's actually scared of the type of person he would be, uh, Shinji would make him out to be. So instead of him going, instead of him trying to reach out to Shinji and like have that connection, he just go, he just tells Shinji to get the fuck away from him. He just disses himself from it and just and acts like an entire dickhead because he's genuinely afraid of the kind of person he thinks his son would view him as. You know what I'm saying? And he would most, much rather be like a villain than have to go through his son being disappointed in him. You know yeah, what I'm saying? And I, and I think that's so cool to have that kind of thing where both of them are on the same track. Shinji took a very immature path to it. Yeah. And not saying Gendo's path is is more mature, but that's more of an adult thing to do is just to disassociate as a child. It's like, I want, so I just don't know what to do. So I'm just going to do everything that people tell me to, so they don't leave me. Right. That's more of a childlike way of dealing with that, uh, attachment issues with an adult. It's like, I'm just going to disassociate. I'm just going to move, push everything. I'll hold everything down here. And then one day I'll die. That's basically what it is. (laughs) I hold everything in my chest and then one day I'll pass away and nothing will happen. It's it's touched so, it's touched on 
in in the show like when he's about to, right before instrumentality when unit one eats him yeah uh he he kind of says it he's like i i didn't know how to be a father and this and that and blah blah it's it's way more fleshed out during 3.0 plus 1.0 oh quick side note uh i know why the last movie is called 3.0 plus 1.0 why uh four is a really unlucky number in japanese culture Four, I don't know that. four represents like death and bad luck, and this was supposed to be Ano's like happy ending for the show. Yeah. So they didn't want to associate it with four, and especially four point four four. Like that's way too many. That's that's way too much. Way bad too many luck. fours. Way too many fours. So they just made it three three plus plus one for now three plus one which equals four but like it's the fourth and then they called it thrice upon a time which doesn't make any fucking sense i i this might be a stretch i read it somewhere that it might be a reference to a book where they write notes in the past and receive them in the future that might be a stretch it just might be a a a goofy name Oh man, that's crazy. That's that's funny. So yeah, I generally enjoyed all of the um like the character arcs and how they got explored. And then okay, my favorite I guess character I guess moment, obviously the therapy sessions in 25 and 26, I mm-hmm. guess I'll call them, were great and it were very dark and they explored a lot of things. My favorite by far though is in 3.0 plus 1.0 where the motif of the stage the sage dude is deconstructed dude and i think that was the coolest shit okay so for those that i guess may not watch the show or those that do watch the show so the idea of the stage is very important when it comes to shinji's mind state because it's it's kind of like he's internalizing his his struggles and watching his um his events play out in front of him which again also could be another uh key to to emphasize the fact that these story might storylines might be on a loop again but that's just that's a that's another theory too but so he's like he's in 25 and 26 he's like looking at himself and looking at all the people he interacts with from the from the seat looking out in front of like a stage like it's a play right so then when that happens and you get to a point i can't remember if it's in the movies or in the show where he sees the stage around him and instead and then you see like the when he has an interaction with his father it's like cracking around him and it ends up like breaking and he ends up like doing i, I think it might have been in the movies where he just kind of ha- i think it might have been an end of evangelion where he has this, the stage around him and it breaks and like his whole mindset is, is actually is actually like broken down to where it's kind of past point no return in the movies in thrice upon a time the stage shows up twice it shows up once during his fight with his dad, the mecha fight, where he gets thrown through a, a set on the stage. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where he's where they're like they're fighting in different parts of I guess Shinji's mind state because with the the anti universe can't really comp, like can't really form its own state. It kind of just the mind of whoever it gets projected onto the anti universe. So all the places that we've seen over the past 26 episodes plus the movies shows up in this fight scene. And one of them is 
Shinji's mind state, which is the stage. So for he gets thrown through a panel on the stage and falls in like the background of it, and that kind of shows like it's he's starting to kind of understand or his like his idea of how the world view is looking is getting broken down. Then when you get to the last part where he's making amends with people and like saying his goodbyes to everybody before he rewrites the entire world through his wish you see the stage is broken down you see that ava is in the is in the back backstage you see the set pieces haven't are like broke are broken to where they're not fully built yet you see the cameras which weirdly have playstation 2 controllers in them i don't understand why that was the case yeah i don't but know that was, i didn't get that part why they why they have cameras with ps2 controllers in there but or ps3 controllers really um and then you see the ships, you see like in the backdrop, you see all this stuff, all like the mountain ranges, like all of it's fake, right? And he's and it's he's kind of talking to, I guess the, he's talking to the Ray from 2.22. And I thought that was the coolest shit ever because you can kind of see where he's finally actually getting it. Mm-hmm. Where he's finally kind of come to terms with how life has gone. And again, it alludes to the fact that he's about to, change everything and move forward with his life because you know you could you keep watching these events over and over and over again without you know it's like at some point in time you're gonna have to uh, leave leave the venue at some point in time and so i think that's a really cool thing of everything getting breaking down and um showing that he's actually moving forward with his life i thought that was the coolest shit like the yeah i thought it was so dope i uh i uh okay i want to talk about the uh the endings of of the original and and the and the the rebuild movies uh yeah again like i said in the beginning of the episode if you only watch the original story i think it holds together i mean the show was famous even before the rebuild movies so i i I think that i think that that shows testament to how good of a storyteller Ano is even if he's depressed out of, out of his mind um but again the the ending of of the original hurts in a good way again it's a greek tragedy kind of uh shinji the whole show shinji runs away but ends up coming back because again he cares about what people think um I think he he ends up going to the train station twice to like leave Tokyo 3. Yeah. But ends up getting pulled back or decides like no, I I need to stay. I need to stay. And he keeps doing that. Yeah. Um he keeps wanting to leave. I'm not going to pilot the Ava and then comes back. I need to pilot the Ava. Even if he thinks he's doing the right thing, it's because he cares what people think. Like like he's when he comes back when one of the angels attacks because he's like I need to save Ayanami I need to save Ray. It's it's because he he, it's more of a selfish thing. It's like I need to help Ray because she's my friend and she cared about me, not because yeah. of anything else. So the ending of end of Evangelion, yes he has an epiphany. He has like oh my god. It doesn't matter what people think about me. It doesn't. It it. Like, I, I need to live life. I need to do this. I need to do that. Yeah, okay, but... Okay, well, I'm about to finish, too. But also, <clears throat> it's also because 
he realizes that everybody that's interacted with him, minus his father, everybody that's interacted with him, genuinely likes him for a per- yeah. as a person. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing that kind of made that was a big thing for me because it's like obviously you can not care what people think about you, and that is a big thing. You know, you, just, you probably shouldn't care. Just mm-hmm. speaking, just candidly. But once you kind of look around and see that most of the people that are within your circle that you talk to every day actually like you, like that's more that's more beneficial for you. Like once you kind of sit here and see, okay, they these people actually like me. I don't care about what other what other people think about me, but I can see that this person in front of me generally cares and wants me to be happy. So that's all, that's my whole thing. So but keep going. But the problem with that is, like, sure he figured it out. But that doesn't mean Asuka figured it out. That doesn't mean Misato figured it out. Uh, I don't even know if Ray has the capacity to figure shit out because she's <laughs> not human. Yeah, true. But the, so the problem begins that he doesn't figure it out and move on. He figures it out and runs back. He's doing the same thing over and over again. So when he gets uh, rejected out of instrumentality, it's not to a world where he can finally live. The world yeah. is o- the world is over. The world is yeah. done. And here's it's my, only it, you and Asuka alive. Yeah, but here's my thing about that too. And it kind of goes into the storyline of it. Because you got to think. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, how many impacts are supposed to happen? Four. Yeah, I was about to say, I think... There are four, four. four impacts. Yeah. Ironically enough, there are four impacts. Um, the first impact, then there's the second impact, and then there was supposed to be the third one, I guess the near third impact, and then the fourth one was going to be the one that actually starts human instrumentality, the mm-hmm. human instrumentality product. Because then, because that fourth impact was, remember, the destruct, the deconstruction of the soul. Yeah. Cause remember, because the third one was supposed to be the deconstruction of the human race, and then there's another one that's supposed to hit that causes everything to to melt into one being, mm. right? So I think, and this goes into my theory about everything being on a loop or things kind of happening in order according to fate. Like story-wise, Shinji is supposed to keep relapsing because we keep, they, keep needing to have, they keep needing to have impacts in order for um, the human instrumentality project to actually happen. They, keep, yeah. they kept trying it with other impacts because they thought that would, that would work, but once they realize that Shinji's the X factor to having every single impact, that's what makes it. Uh, that's what makes the plan come together. So, like from a character arc development wise, yeah, it sucks because Shinji keeps relapsing and not learning anything for real. But narratively, it makes sense why he's not learning anything because yeah, because it, it's because he's supposed to. Because there are four impacts supposed to happen. That's basically what my thing. But and and here's. Where now I'm gonna talk about the ending of, of Thrice Upon a Time, and why it's so satisfying. It's because, yeah, he you can tell he's had a character development and he's more confident and he's like I know what I gotta do and he's talking to everyone. Um. But, but like he actually learns this time and like like you said there it, it is looping because in the movies when Kawaro wakes up he's on the moon and there's like a bunch of coffins before him that have opened and then there's more that are closed around him and he said he had, he'd had to do that for an eternity 
Yeah. So it's a loop every it time. Ke- it keeps going around and around. Uh, but, like, this time, when Shinji... Shinji's like, look, I'm going to make a world where, like, Ava's don't exist. Where Ava's never existed. Uh, I think the the biggest... The biggest example of him moving forward is not only... Because at the end, it shows a world... Like, Shinji's on a train platform as an adult. And on the other train platform, it's Kawaru and Rei. And they're like... They're talking. Asuka's on her phone. Uh, I think Kensuke's next to her. The class rep is there. Like, all his friends are on on the other platform. And he doesn't talk to them. And you you think like, oh shit, like he doesn't know anyone. But the biggest example of him moving forward, which I'm pretty sure a lot of people thought was like, whatever. But I think it's really good symbolism. Is the fact that he ends up with Mari. Which, who's, yeah. a new, who's a new character introduced in the rebuild movies. But, and she's not really fleshed out as a character until, like, the last movie, kind of. Yeah. But, it shows that, like, he doesn't have to run back to Asuka. He doesn't have to run back to Misato. He doesn't have to run back to Rei. He can let them live their life. Like, he, he understands. I'm a toxic person. They're toxic people. We can't help each other out. I'm going to make right. a world where where they can finally just live their life and they won't ever know about me. They won't remember me. And I'll remember them, but that's fine as long as they're happy. Which right. I think I think is pretty <clears throat> much the point because like when Mari comes up behind him, she takes off his his uh choker. Yeah. Which which symbolizes that they both remember what happened. I'm pretty sure they yeah, both because, remember. Yeah, because she came to go say, to go pull him out of the thing. So it makes sense as to why she would know. Which I think happened. I think it was supposed to be her and Asuka. But Asuka dies. You know? So she couldn't she couldn't pull when like did, they, Oh. Wasn't he trying to go she, get Asuka? No, like they, when he tried to pull her out of the core, right? Wasn't he? They, I mean, they kind of do because the whole thing was like, Mari was like, "Oh, Princess's soul might still be in the core, so yeah. if if you can go get her," which they do, and it's a cool reference because when when he meets her in the core, it's on the shore of the end of Evangelion, like the Red Sea is there. Yeah, but I don't know if you noticed. Did you notice like her plug suit was all ripped up? Yeah. Do you know why? It's um, I thought I thought it was like when she was going through that fight, her plug suit got fucked up. She's she's finally aged. She doesn't have the curse of the Avas anymore. She's twenty eight in that show. Oh, so she starts like like the plug suit doesn't fit her anymore. That's that's why it's all ripped up. It's tight. She's finally twenty eight, and that's she looks older. I don't know if it, yeah she they, does. They show her for like two seconds, but she does finally look older. Yeah, and she then, does look old in the face. And then he talks about it. He's like, oh, did you... Uh, like, you said you liked me as a kid. 
I liked you too, but that can't happen anymore. Like, like I know you grew up, you're past that. I'm in a different stage in my life because again, he was in a coma for 14 years. I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to make you go through that. Like go live your life. And then Mari tells her like, go take care of yourself. And then fucking boom, she's awake in the Ava. Again. Yep. But if Asuka never sacrificed herself, I think it would be Asuka and Mari remembering the, remembering yeah. what happened, what took place. <clears throat> but I think yeah. narrati- narratively, it's it's more it's a better example that like now he's with Mari. Now he's date like I, it's pretty implied that they're dating. He's like, oh, yeah. cute girl with big boobs, like. But that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's him. You know, technically getting over his his depression, getting over the girl. You know, he's and actually flirting like a regular person. Yeah, she even like blushes. She's like, "Oh, you're like, confident." He now. actually has a real conversation at, at where he's not looking at the ground and he's not like just saying, "Okay, yeah." Like he's genuinely having a conversation. I think that was the coolest thing ever. So I guess I guess your your I guess the the topic you're getting on it's a pretty good segue into our theories. I know you already shared one. <clears throat> but do you have like another theory? I know I have two that I kind of want to talk about that they're kind of quick, but do you have any other like longer theories at all? Uh, not that I know. Not really theories, just uh, weird religious shit because I grew up Catholic. But go ahead, go ahead with yours. <laughs> I, I just um, talked a lot about the ending, so you, you go ahead. <laughs> it's no so I have, I have two. One of them is... Unit Zero is actually Nakawa has Nakawa got Akagi's soul in it. Ritsuko's mom. And okay. here here's Explain. Okay, hear me out. Okay, so when you know how like I don't know how like since Ray is a is not a human, it's a lot easier for her to synchronize with Avis. Mm-hmm. Right? So obviously it's easier for Shinji to it's it's easy for Shinji to synchronize with his Ava because of the fact that it's his mom. um his mom's soul. And same thing with Asuka, her mom's soul. And a, and a lot of them and right, and a lot of the manufactured uh Avas, all the mass produced ones, don't have souls in them. So obviously Unit Zero is like the first prototype they used. And remember, Akagi murders Kid Ray. When you look back at her at her well, yeah. character arc, she murders Kid Ray and gets and gets killed subsequently herself. And so when Unit Zero goes berserk in the testing lab on two separate occasions, one time it attacked Gendo, oh. and another time it attacked Ray. Yeah, it was trying to get to Ray. Oh my god! When you think it, when you flash back to Gendo first trying out Unit Zero, it attacks him. But when you look at, like, when they're in the movies, when you watch the original Ava and Ray's staying there in the window, it tries to headbutt through the glass to kill Ray. Because one, she doesn't like Ray because, uh, Akagi doesn't like Ray because uh, he spends, he, uh, Gendo spent more time with Ray than he did with her because they had a romantic relationship going on. And with, with, <laughs> like, with, with Yui. With, with Yui, yeah. With Yui. Is, and then. Yeah. So then, yeah, so like every time Unit Zero went berserk, whether that be in the movies or whether that be in a flashback or whether that be in the original show, it's Akagi's soul because she's trying to uh, 
trying to kill Ray, kill Gendo for for wronging her. Wow. You know, you know, I I didn't get this when I first saw the show. You know, she doesn't get killed. She kills herself. Ah, uh, yeah, I saw that. She jumps off the platform. I that's why when I but saw wait. Like, that doesn't make yeah. any sense because because when she chokes Ray, she chokes Kid Ray out. You hear a gunshot, and then when you like look at a like the I guess when the, the they pan down to her like chalk outline, it's like a huge speck of blood, uh, trailing off. Yeah. So but did the, she? But the blood is also on top. There's like a little shelf thing. Yeah. So it's because she doesn't know Ray is. A clone of Yui, kind of. Yeah. She just think raise. She just thinks raise a kid, so yeah. she she realizes like, what I just choked out a kid. I just killed a kid. What the fuck? One, Dude. I just killed. One, I just killed a kid. Two, the man I love has been manipulating me and calls me an old hag behind my back. <laughs> Dude, that was that was foul. So she jumps off the platform. And obviously, as she falls, she hits her head on the shelf and then splats. Okay, I can. Okay, thinking about it now, that makes that makes sense. Because I remember, I just remember when she actually kills Ray. I thought I heard a gunshot. That could have just been her jumping off and hitting a platform. But 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 your theory does make sense because again, Unit Zero is the prototype one. Two, the whole Magi system is supposed to be her. Yeah. So. The Magi system being like in prototype zero. Because when it goes berserk the second time, when it goes when it tries to kill Ray, it's using the dummy plug. Yep. So like there's this whole thing. Wow, that's really fucking cool. I've never really thought of that. That's really cool. Yeah. I guess so then my second one is more not about the show per se, but just more so just in general. Um, my theory is End of Evangelion is a big middle finger to Evangelion fans. Uh, and here's my t- here's here's why. So, when you look at the ending of the original Evangelion, right? Obviously, in ni- the year 1995, people didn't like it. The people who who generally liked like the sight, the mental aspect, and digging into people's psyche, people liked that ending for that. And but you also got to think about this. This is a this is a mecha anime, like. It's it's about mechs fighting monsters, mm-hmm. regardless of all the other mental stuff on it. Yeah, yeah, it's about mechs fighting monsters. So you would assume, if you're not even thinking about the mental aspect of things, you would assume that the ending, the last two episodes, would have a giant mecha fight to finish the whole thing, right? You see with every you see with every single mecha anime, you see with Gurren Lagann, you see with Gundam Wing, you see it with. Uh, 86. You see, with so many mechas, it, it's this big bombastic fight that ends everything with crazy flat, like flashy stuff, crazy animation, explosions, everything, and you get your expectations subverted through two episodes of real life stills, technically bad abstract avant-garde animation, but it's really you know budget cuts and time constraints. And then not even having a mecha fight in it. It's just people sitting in a chair mentally dumping out their trauma. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So fans in fans of the mecha version of mecha part of Neon were pissed off and they just didn't and they didn't like it. So it's so much so that they started they started writing bad reviews, starting calling 
Hideki Anno out of his name and started sending death threats to Gainax. So he made End of Evangelion and ended it that way to say fuck you to all those fans because he had all like the big blah blah stuff only for the ending to not be complete because he was that pissed off. Like if you watch like the end of Evangelion, you see, you know, like those paper, those random papers with Japanese words on them and yeah. like all the spray paint on walls and shit. Those are pictures that everybody, that people took, that he took um, after the original had ended. Like there were like reviews that were co- talking shit about Hideki Anno as a person, not as a, as a producer about yeah, yeah. the media he's putting out as a person, as a person. Then you see, people spray painting on the on the walls at the entrance of Gainax death threats Jesus and so since like since he had this kind of pent up anger like I think if you really look at End of Evangelion it's a very angry piece of media yeah yeah oh yeah it's, it's unhinged it's unhinged because of like the nature of everything but it's but if at its core it's a very angry movie like it's nothing nothing about it is like simple or like smooth or, or subtle, like it's very angry and upset about something. Yeah, and so like, it, it's nothing about the about end of Evangelion is happy, like nothing at like, all. Asuka's death, like if he was regular mad, he could have had Asuka die off screen, and like people would get pissed about that. No, she got <laughs> fucked up. And you see her arm get split in half. You yeah. see that shit. She's looking up at the sky and she's repeating, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. I'll... And then you're probably thinking, because her, her Ava like lifts up kind of. So you're like, oh, she's about to go berserk. Nope. And then and then bah, you bah, see. Bah, bah, bah. It's, it's crazy. It's not only is it maddening, it's horrifying. It's scary. Yeah. Um, it's it's super crazy. Because, but, I mean, the, I, the, I think it's... The no, artificial go ahead, go ahead. Avas, the way they eat her Ava, they look like like birds at the beach when you throw bread out. Yeah. It's it's very it's very creepy. Yeah, I just think it's a... I, I, that's why I think it's just a big, like, F you to, to all the, uh, the fans that may have been mad the fact that they didn't get their huge i guess fight but thing is but then they if you stuck around obviously i guess the luxury of having all the media already out and us to just click on the next one makes it way easier way easier because because then because then we can get we i'm not as mad about how shit ended because i know there's something else coming after it right yeah i know what the ending is yeah right so you have all that you go to you go from evangelion then you go to the rebuild movies so and you get all that mecha action, especially yeah. in three point three three and three point zero plus one point zero, where you see like when Mari whipping that guy, <laughs> whipping that guy, uh, and fight and like having this big thing where she's like fighting all these makeshift Avas, and you get the final fight with Gendo and in Shinji, you get, which the anime portions of those fight is of that fight is great the. Part where they're all in CG looks like a PlayStation Three cutscene, but that's neither here nor there. That's <laughs> I'm not a fan of that part. But um, but yeah, I do think as far as theories go, I the one I like the most when it comes to Oscar's character is definitely 
the ending part where Shinji is 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 killing her because the dub makes it the okay the difference between the sub and the dub makes theories work better than others. Mm-hmm. With the dub, she says how disgusting at the end because I'm pretty sure, like I guess from my perspective, and you texted me this too. She wanted to die in that instance. She yeah, definitely she, wanted to. She, she wanted Shinji to kill her. Yeah, she realized like there, like there's no one to protect anymore. There's no reason for me to be alive. So, so as yeah. as Shinji's choking her out, she touches his cheek as a thank you. Yeah, but then, but then he yeah. he's so mentally fucked up that when she touches his cheek, he's like. Fuck! If I kill her, I'm not gonna get the love that I want. So then he stops killing her, and then she gets pissed, and she's like, basically saying, "Wow, this guy's such a pussy!" Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is what um, I'm stuck with. Yeah, exactly. Um, is there anything? I don't know, kind of. I pass the theories. Is there anything you don't, you didn't like about the series at all? I wait. I have. I have one more thing to talk about before that. Okay, go ahead. Um. Because we haven't talked about the the original show has a lot of biblical names in it. Biblical mm-hmm. names, biblical references. Like, literally, like, there's Adam. Uh, there's Lilith, who is a biblical character. And the Avas are Eve. Because the, yeah, A- the, the, the Avas are created by pieces of Adam, just how Eve was created by the rib of from, Adam. From yeah. Um so there's all that which makes it creepy for me growing up Catholic. It 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 I hate when when biblical shit not hate like in a sense where I'm disrespected, hate because it creeps me out when yeah. biblical when biblical stuff is made to look like evil. Right, hate hate in a good way though because I love just like it. I love feeling that despair, especially again because I grew up Catholic. It's supposed to not be creepy, but it makes me feel hopeless in a good way. Yeah. Not only that though, uh, Kawaru's character. I think I think there there's something there because like in the I, I saw the Netflix dub. And yeah. while while it is acted very well, I do like the Netflix dub. Uh, I heard or I read um, they kind of changed up a few of the lines regarding Kawaru. Uh, as a straight man, I don't think it changed that much because I did find it still a little homoerotic between them. Yeah, but apparently it's supposed to be more it's like it's like. Like, like he's supposed to go like a lot harder than than he did. Koaru was supposed to say shit like "I love you," not shit like "You're worthy of my grace." Yeah. But Koaru ends up still saying "I like you," which I thought I was like, okay, there's, this is weird because I, Koaru ends up being an angel, so he he doesn't. There is no sexuality there. It's just he's attracted to who he's attracted and he acquire ends up saying it in one of the movies he sends he says that he's attracted to shinji and yeah. shin you could kind of tell shinji's into kuaro too and i think that's because like 
Kawaru's the first person to be straight up just nice. Yeah. Like, it's not Asuka being, like, a little kid crush where it's like, uh, I'm going to hit him. It's not Misato because Misato doesn't know what love is and she's, like, kind of fake sometimes. Ray doesn't... Ray's not a human, so she doesn't know how to feel. Process love. Exactly. So it's the first person to ever just be, like, nice to him. So growing... As a 14-year-old, you're in the middle of puberty. He gets confused. He gets... Yeah. Because there's a line in the show, Kawaro's like, it's getting late. And Shinji's like, uh, can I can I sleep here? Because he didn't want to go back to Misato's place. And Kawaro says, together? And he goes, whoa, 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 no. Yeah. So it's still there. And like, like he has a weird attraction to him. When he had to kill him, he couldn't get it out of his head that Kawaro was an angel. He saw Kawaro fly. And he saw Kuaro do all this shit, <laughs> but was still like, I can't believe I killed him. Like, he did. Yeah. He was weirdly attracted. He was confused. Because, again, growing up, 14-year-old, hitting puberty. Uh, growing up, especially in the 90s, where it's like, it was weird to be gay. Really know? taboo to be homosexual and to be gay. So yeah, he, it's weird. Kuaro is technically his fourth love interest. If you really want to call it like that, yeah, that's true. That's true. I also but, I just think the funniest thing is Kaiji also didn't do him any favors either with his with his uh oh his, the joke <laughs> his sexuality identity because nope because <laughs> that shit was that that scene was actually really funny. You want to go on a date and he's like no, <laughs> and he like leans in like trying to kiss him and then like you hear the scream that shit was actually funny. Um, but yeah, I I generally liked Kawaru as a character too, and I think. When you see the fact that Kawaru has been living on a loop, I wonder at one point, I guess just theoretically speaking, I wonder at what point in that loop did he decide he actually is attracted to Shinji? Was it the first time it happened or was it like the fifth or sixth time it happened? And then also when when they say like when Kawaru and Kaji are talking and he says, you making Shinji happy is not going to bring you happiness. Like you're happy, like you're happy when like making Shinji happy. That's not going to be how you yourself get happy. And I think that was like a really cool like thing to explore because you don't really explore Kawaru's mental state at all until the last like maybe 15 minutes of the movie. Because obviously he's an angel, so angels aren't you know saying he's a character, but he's supposed to, he's a first angel, so you're not really expecting him to have this kind of mental character. Uh, arc attached to him but I thought that was really cool yeah it when he wakes up in the movies his his like one of his first lines is like I swear this time I'm gonna make you happy Shinji yeah. so obviously he 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 does he is attracted to him and it might be from uh from the show it might be from that because I do think in the movie, Ray and Kwaru both got played by by Gendo. Yeah. Because of the whole the whole Spears thing. And you know what? This is a great this is a great segue of you to asked, what we to what we, to what we didn't like about Shinji, holy shit, dude. could not be more of a dumbass in 3.33. Holy dude. shit. Oh my god. Dude, you you and the thing I really do like about 3.3. 
3.33 is they flesh out their relationship. Kawaru and Shinji are... It, it makes sense why why they would at least care for each other. Uh, whether right. it be homosexual or, or platonic. It, it, it makes sense. Kawaru's telling Shinji, Hey, listen, we need the Spear of Longinus and the Spear of, of Cassius. If we have those two spears, we can uh, re- redo the world and and uh, it, it can go back to the way it was before. Uh, they get to the spears and Kawaru, the one that knows this shit, the one that told you about this, is telling you, those are not the right spears. Don't don't touch right. them. And, and, and Shinji's like, what do you mean? And he doesn't listen. He keeps going for them. <laughs> And it's so infuriating how Kawaru's literally sitting next to him. He's literally, it, it's not like over the phone or through, no. He's telling you, don't fucking touch the damn spears. And he still yeah, does no. it. I was so fucking pissed. <laughs> Holy uh, shit. Real, real quick, let me, let me use the bathroom. We'll come back. I'll talk about what I didn't like. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And and we're back. We're back. We're back. Okay. So, um, what I didn't like, I guess it's not really a thing. Like what I didn't like, but I don't know if it's a hot take or not. But Oscar is a bottom tier waifu, one hundred percent. Oscar is, is a bottom tier. Okay, I don't know if it's a hot take or not because I know people generally like Oscar. She's a bottom tier waifu. I I. I am fully aware of the emotional trauma and the coping mechanisms associated with that emotional trauma. But you cannot sit there and tell me that somebody that somebody with their head that far up their ass is somebody you're genuinely attracted to, regardless of how hot they look. And she's fucking 14. Okay, but okay, but I guess this is marketed towards young kids, so I understand. Well, I mean, I don't even know if it's Marcus with it? kids, cause with, with 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 the emotional trauma. But uh, you got, but like most of the people, most of the people consuming the 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 media should be in the teen area. So if I was fourteen and watching the show, it'd be a little bit different for me saying which characters I'm attracted to. But me being a grown man, obviously I'm not going to be attracted to and, and hold a 14-year-old in that waifu category. It's just not going to happen. But for those but, that do, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and and here's For the those thing. that do, you're weird. But but Asuka is, is, is if you're going to have the tier list of waifus, whether it be underage or not, Asuka is low, is a bottom tier. Like not even scratching the surface to being a good waifu. You cannot sit there and tell me she, she is. Yeah, I think when I when I f- before watching the show, obviously I knew there was the whole battle between Misato, uh, Asuka, and Rey. And when I first started watching the show, I think I I texted you. I was like, "Why is this even a conversation? They're fourteen. That's odd." <laughs> but again, yeah, she's. I think okay, she's an interesting character. But that doesn't oh, mean yeah, no doubt. that does not mean that she is a likable character. Just like uh, fucking Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, interesting character, 
uh, yeah. crazy piece of shit, but interesting. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I yeah, mean, I, I guess fucking Misato isn't technically the best either. But she's an adult, and if you're an adult, stop being a creep. Yeah, I mean, I would take, you know, Misato. Again, I can't really take a certain. Per- I'm the only person I really could take, generally speaking, is probably Iruki. Or either probably Iruki. I could probably take Ritsko, maybe because she's an adult as well. She's also kind of fucked she, up, though. She's crazy. She's Ritsko's actually crazy. But, but like Misato, I guess is like probably like the the better of the the women characters. Even though my entire I guess level for her crumbled when she, at end of Evangelion because I was like, why, <laughs> why would you do this? But okay, yeah. Again, if you if you like Asuka as in the waifu category, and you hold her up to this high standard, something is wrong with you. I you, it might be you just you know the whole you know step on me thing is a is a thing now, not ju- not kink shaming, not doing that, but you cannot sit there and tell me that somebody that self absorbed, regardless of the emotional trauma, I understand that part, I understand yeah. that part, and I understand that she her doing that as a coping mechanism, but no, she's definitely you annoying. cannot you can't sit there and tell me she's not you don't want to slap shit at her. I'm not I'm playing, I'm playing, no, 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 J.K. J.K. I will never. You're here telling me you're not. You're not <laughs> actually pissed off. <laughs> I'm pissed off when she comes on screen. You can't sit there and tell me you will. I I for I forgot what comedian said this. If if I'm correct, it might be Bernie Mac. I will never hit a woman, but I'll shake the shit out of one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'll, I'll shake the shit out of you. That's crazy. <laughs> Rest in peace, Bernie Mac. Great, great Rest comedian. Um, Rest in peace. The last thing I want to talk about, I'm sending you a, a picture now on your phone. Um, and whoever edits this can put it up on screen. Um, okay. So check it real quick. Uh, okay. You know how every... The English titles of the movies, they all have the not in them yeah like you are not alone you cannot advance um in yeah. jap in japanese it's uh i'm i'm not gonna pronounce it correctly i'm just gonna say it in english evangelion shin whatever joe evangelion shin jet i'm gonna say, try to say jet jet jeko jackie joban joe uh Okay, let me just say Evangelion. It's Evangelion Joe, <laughs> Evangelion Ha, Evangelion Q, and then Evangelion. Uh, then there's like two lines, and in that picture that I just sent you, um, the first two symbols, the Japanese symbols, are Joe, yeah. Joe, and Ha. Uh, looking at this, reading this, the concept of Joe Ha Q, roughly corresponds to beginning middle and end and it originates from music so yeah uh joe and ha are in japanese characters q is the letter q because uh 3.33 is also called uh 
you Evan- cannot redo. Evangelion you cannot redo, but it's also Evangelion Q, like quickening. Don't understand why, but quickening is uh, English. So yeah. that's why that's why Q is represented as the letter Q hmm. in, in that little promotional thing that I just sent you. And yeah. behind 3.0 plus 1.0, the two lines, uh, it says it here. Uh, according to a article published by Anime News Network, it is the repeat sign that that uh, goes at the end of of like when you read music. Yeah. So uh, it, it it I think this this little theme that they're doing with this promotional picture is it's very interesting. It's it's like if it was a, a grand fucking orchestra. Yeah, yeah, and, and and music also plays a huge part role in in just Ava and telling the story in general. Like the very unsettling parts where, uh, where somebody's dying, like when Toji is a is a um is an Ava pilot, and the 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 scene of him getting killed is like a very for some reason a very upbeat kind of song, which is generally unsettling. Then you have it happen again with some with Asuka. Same thing happened. Then I, you have. I find that so terrifying. The the a light shines upon upon Asuka, and to make it creepier, they're playing. I forgot what it's called, but it's dun 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 dun. dun oh, it's um. Oh, I know what it's about. It's, it's it's a Beethoven song, I think. Uh, it's a Beethoven like orchestra, like it's triumphant music while Asuka is being mentally like just fucked yeah it's so scary it's so scary yeah. the use of music is is uh very good at telling that unhinged type of story so yeah i think it makes sense as to why the promotional music would have like musical references kind of intertwined with them and it makes a lot of sense yeah the the way they tell the story and the way they kind of contrast what's supposed to be you know like Cause when you when you have that kind of music, that, that Beethoven symphony symphony song, that's supposed to represent like the triumphant like word of God coming down onto earth and like mm-hmm. and having prosperity. But when you have that light and it uh, you have that music and you have that light, it kind of subverts the expectation. So you think, oh, it's like this really cool this light where God's shining down on on humans. But then you cut to somebody generally having a traumatic experience. Through, ha- through showing God. And I think also, too, it's cool. Like, if you think of it from a biblical sense, like, um, when angels would come down to, to earth and talk to humans, their light and sometimes would be very scary. So humans sometimes, so humans would not look at angels when they would come down and descend and, and talk to people. And so I think that's a reference to that, where angels will try to communicate with humans, but their light is too shy, uh, too bright. It's almost uh to the point where it could kill them so i think that's uh having those biblical references in there is also pretty cool and i guess slightly knowing biblical history makes the the watch a little bit more enjoyable too if you kind of catch some of those references but yeah but yeah that's another thing so oh man oh i told you we we're gonna go close to two hours but yeah bro, there was so much <laughs> to talk about oh but i hope you know i hope you didn't get lost in this uh, episode i hope people actually listen to this all the way through but um I think do you I, have 
I wanted. I uh, did want to talk about Kawaru a little bit, so I'm pretty sure we talked about most things. We got everything, yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any music recommendations at all? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, Bet. As a single, I recommend uh, EXP Share by X Society. I sent it to you. Yeah, that um, song goes crazy. X Society. Again, it's Kill Bill, Rav, Square, Aerospace. The song is nutty. They're all on it. It's the first song that they all do together. Um, it's super, super just like boom, bap, bob your head. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's a very, very, very good song. Again, excited for what these guys have to do uh, this year. And as an album... I've been listening to a lot, actually. Uh, I might just recommend if if you're if you do like EXP Share by these guys, um, listen to Azalea by Aerospace himself. It's an album he dropped last year. Gotcha. Um, it's kind of depressing, but you know, so is Evangelion. So <laughs> if you're oh, into man. that kind of stuff, I I yeah, I I like. Uh, Azalea by Aerospace. Gotcha. Um, I guess for me as a single, um, Cautious Clay dropped a song called Rapture in Blue. It's a single. I don't know if it's a single off of the, I guess, deluxe version of Deadpan Love that he's coming out with. I have no clue. But the cover art looks like it might be a deluxe edition. But um, Rapture in Blue is a great song with Cautious Clay. If you know anything about his work, he's just a phenomenal uh uh, musician one singer and also the way he constructs a song is really uh really cool and then also i don't know how to pronounce this artist's name i think it's just either bathe or bath i can't remember it's b-a-t-h-e i can't i don't know if it's bath with just an e on the end of it or not but uh the the, the uh i guess it's an ep i guess or or album it's called bi-coastal uh very smooth r&b uh, not really hip hop centered, which I'm a huge fan of. I'm not a big fan of um, R&B. It's more hip hop centric. Uh, I just like more just smoother R&B singles and ones that are a little more experimental. And he does a good job with this. Uh, the songs are all really smooth. He sings really well. Everything's kind of constructed into a very easy listen. It's only nine songs, like a 25 minute tape. Uh, you could probably run through that pretty easily. So, um, Go ahead and yeah, definitely check that out. But uh, you got anything else you want to say, Zoe? No. Uh, if you haven't watched the show, watch it. It's very good. I can say it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Please, oh, yeah, watch the show. Uh, cool fun fact. Uh, Utada Hikaru does the end music for Evangelion uh, 3.0 plus 1.0. Uh I don't listen to J-pop or K-pop, but I will download her music because I'm a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. <laughs> Bet, yeah, he's you know the the Disney the Disney um, cult leader himself. Oh, Not yeah. playing. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but that is uh, basically it. We you know almost got to two hours, which I assumed we were going to. Um, I hope you stuck around the whole time, please. <laughs> please stick around the whole time because we talk about a lot and. If you have anything you want to talk about with us, feel free to, you know, add us on Twitter, 
uh, shoot us a message on Instagram, go on the, in, the YouTube comments when this releases, because we'd love to kind of hear from you guys. Um, again, uh, at Nost plus Ultra on Twitter, uh, Nostalgia plus Ultra, all one word on Instagram, and then on YouTube, same name. Just come so subscribe and leave a comment, like the video if you if you enjoyed it. Um, also, please watch Evangelion. It's it's a great great show. Um, you can take a lot from it. I know personally, in my own experience watching the show, uh, there are a lot of things that I've taken from the show moving forward that I can definitely apply to my own life. Even though it, it, my situation may not be heavily try have a lot of trauma within it but there are a lot of things you can definitely take from it so i i again appreciate you guys listening in um again follow us everywhere interact with us we'd love to hear from you um so that has been that has been us i've been nostalgia as told by zoe see you guys next time peace